Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. This is your blood brother, Ted Nugent, with my blood brother, Mark, on Living the Outdoors on 95.3 The Score. Attention, turkeys! From the tree stand that is the Fast Sign Studios, more than fast, more than signs, this is your home for the ultimate outdoor discussion. It's Living the Outdoors with Mark Druitt. From hunting and fishing to the trends and gear you need to be successful in the wild. Be part of the show by calling 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. Now your host, Mark Druick. Greetings and welcome to Living the Outdoors show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning in tonight. And uh, any time during tonight's broadcast, if you want to chime in, you want to have any questions, comments, 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. We'd love to hear from you. And please uh, keep the emails coming to livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. I love um, getting the emails and getting suggestions of what kind of uh, material and what kinds of opportunities you want to learn more about to get involved in the outdoors. And my first guest tonight is a direct result of that. And I had several emails saying, hey, you've had this guy on your show several times before. Can you see if you can get him back on now that we have some serious ice up in this area doing, in Wisconsin. Mark? Hey, Brian Bro Brosdahl, how you doing, man? Hey, doing really well. Enjoying winter. <laughs> it's guys like you that really uh, take a hold and embrace the winter time to get out and do some ice fishing. Oh, yeah. It was uh, so windy here a little while ago that uh, I couldn't even see uh, the people I was taking out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mother Nature's been kind of weird this year. We've had some... Uh, uh, you know, some really major cold weather, some warm weather, some rain, some snow, 50-mile-an-hour winds. Uh, you know, Mother Nature rules everything, but you kind of have to adapt and adjust to that, don't we? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's ongoing. And, and one thing, too, even if you get those the winds, you know, uh, if, it's, if it's doable, it seems like the fish are moving. It makes them more active than just having a static day with where it's calm and nice. Yep. And those are days that are nice for the fishermen, but anytime we get a little weather going, the fish start swimming around, and, and just like deer hunting, you don't see deer unless they're moving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, let's kind of kick it off that way, uh, bro, talking about ice conditions. You know, you're in, where are we talking to you today? Are you in Minnesota, or where are you at? We're in Minnesota, and uh, I was on Lake Winnipegosh. Winnipegosh, and that's kind of like your home, uh, your home territory, Minnesota, is it not? Yes. It's uh, it's a lake. Uh, most people fish it for jumbo perch. It's it's renowned for walleye. Uh, it's got a little bit of everything. I mean, some of the bays have crappies and bluegills. Uh, the state record muskie was taken out of this lake in, in northern pike, but it's a it's a just a big old big piece of water. Now, is that primarily like? Um, does it have a variety of structure in it? Is it sand based, rock based? What uh, what? It's a a lot of structure, and there's some deep mud. Okay. Deep mud with uh, a lot of sandbars and, and humps. Uh, some have rock features on them. Some have weeds on top, but uh, most of them are sand. And okay. 
Uh, the, the lake does have zebra mussels. It, they, it, it started getting them a few years ago, so it doesn't have a full effect, but it's become clear, clear water. So sure. for walleyes, you have to be a little farther away, but for perch, they they just come in from long distance to grab your bait. And there's a lot of sorting. You know, when it comes to perch fishing, there's a lot of sorting. Uh, you probably have to go through 20 fish just to get, uh, if you're real fussy, to get the right one. But uh, sure. That's the thing about perch jerking. It's it's nonstop activity. <laughs> well, you know, and that's 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 why you're out there to have fun. Yeah, you want to put some uh, uh, some food on the table, but to get some action and 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 catch fish consistently is what it's all about. Absolutely, and, and Winnie uh, uh, was has always been known as a big perch fishery, and the uh, the fish numbers uh, kind of dropped and they, they got a little smaller, but it's coming back, and just like anything. You never forget about those spots because they do come back, and there's been quite a few lakes like that that have surprised me. When it comes to perch, walleyes, crappies, all those fish are cyclical, and they will come back. And if, if the lake is left alone, and uh, the only thing that doesn't usually is sunfish once the big ones are gone. But uh, all the lakes, you just check check back on those old lakes you haven't fished in a while, and and you'd be surprised. Hmm. That's that's uh, that's very interesting. Uh... Very interesting thought. How are the ice conditions um, where you're at? Do you have a lot of snow on the ground up there? Yeah, not a lot. Uh, I could drive on most lakes with a four-wheel drive. If you got a good working four-wheel drive and good tires, you'll be okay. And, and always use the buddy system. Sure. Uh, I have an older fellow that uh, I don't ask him to do much. He just comes with on my, my trips, and I just, uh, if I get stuck, he's got a tow hitch, you know, a, a tow strap, and, and it's, well, it, I've hardly ever been stuck. The only time you get stuck is where there's old tracks and it fills in with the new snow. Okay. Or old road beds uh, where someone plows a road uh, that doesn't get marked. Cloudy days are the days you really got to watch it when you're on any body of water because you really can't see what's going on. The next thing you know, you're hung up on something that you would have normally, you could have just went around or backed up and blown through. But uh, there is a few spots on Winnebagosh. And uh, Lake of the Woods that have busted up ice areas, and these areas you, you can't go fast, or you could actually wreck your your truck. You got to go through them kind of slow and uh, really know what's going on. But uh, if you got a snowmobile, you can go anywhere. If you got a, a four wheeler, not a real good year for four wheelers. They're really bogging down, struggling to get through on a lot of stuff. So it is the year of the snowmobile or the tracks on your four wheeler. Perfect. Perfect. And, uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, um, snow-covered ice as opposed to no-covered ice, does that have an impact, uh, you know, on the fishing and how the fish relate to those conditions? Oh, absolutely. Uh, nothing's better than having a good old-fashioned hard winter. And, and you see it in Minnesota, Wisconsin. You also see it out in Lake Erie. When you get a, a lake frozen and covered in snow, it kills off all that algae, that unwanted algae that that uh, will drape and cover over a spawn, a spawning walleye's eggs. And and uh, so good, it's the reset button. We want lots of snow. And we, we got snow, we got cover, so the fish aren't as spooky. Uh, the insect activity is a lot higher. Um, minnows, everything moves when there's a lot of snow on the ice. And the uh, when it's clear ice, they're a lot spookier. And we had some clear ice conditions earlier on. We got a lot of ice. I mean, uh on, on Leech Lake, uh, you need an extension. You're right 
right to the bottom of the ice, and the same on the Lake Winnipegosh. Uh, you got that auger right down to the ice in. So I'd recommend using extensions if you're going to be in the area, uh, even if you're, you're using uh, uh, what we call just uh, an electric drill, whether using a Nils Master or K-Drill, whatever uh, you bring up. Um, if you're using one of those drill guns, get an extension for it or make one. Um, sure. It's There's a lot of ice. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like that down here uh, as well. You know, Winnebago has got 20-plus inches of ice. You know, it's kind of – Winnebago's a big lake. The, the ice gets moved around a lot, so you do have to be cautious um, of shoves and, and such. But uh, this is as good of ice as we've had here uh, in a couple years, which is great to see because of the ice fishing, you know, was, was very, has been very short and somewhat disappointing the last couple of years, just due to the lack of ice in the mild winters. So it's, yes. it's great to see um, the, the guys excited about it and, you know, running out of uh, um, shacks and, and augers and all that kind of stuff. It's a great thing from a retailer standpoint to see your product is moving, but it's great to see the guys are being able to get out there and, and participate in, in ice fishing because it is a great sport. Oh, absolutely. This has been a, a, a fantastic year for uh, all the different companies. I, like Frable, uh, it, you can't find any of the stuff. It's all sold out. Uh, Humminbirds, no matter what brands you're into, everything, you know, everything you just about want is sold out, and it's going to create more demand, and, and that's going to drive everything. Uh, when the factories do good in fishing, everybody does good. And yep. the same for snowmobiles. Uh, if we don't start taking our kids, I don't have any kids, but, I mean, if you got kids, take them snowmobiling. I mean, the sport's dying. And mm-hmm. what's going to happen is there ain't going to be any sleds available when you want to go buy one. You're, uh, you're going to have to order it in the spring because a lot of dealerships are getting one of each. Or eventually they ain't going to carry them. They're going to go with UTVs. And so snowmobile is kind of a slowly dying sport. And it's sad because it's it's such an awesome thing and, and, uh, to get back and, and snowmobile. And I'm, I, I snowmobile on the way to the spot when I'm using my sled. So I get... Nice. I killed two birds with one stone, but uh, <laughs> definitely, uh, if you're if you're looking, think about a snowmobile. Well, you know, and I think that was uh, the in, the invention of the snowmobile kind of created this whole new realm of outdoor sports, and it's gone. You know, from the original, the old Arctic cats, and and we had Johnsons in the family. These old things like yeah. driving a. Do you remember those, Brian? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, the, and, the, and the old stingers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You had, you know, you got back from snowmobiling and you had to, you know, put a, a, a hot compress on your back because you had such a bad backache. But, you know. <laughs> well, it, and reality is, is what I'm seeing is you go into the, some of these dealerships and they got these big, bad four wheelers that you could sit two or four people and then throw tracks on them. And then, then when they get out in reality where I'm at, I find them stuck because they're snapping belts left and right. Is anybody, uh, is it's like a V8 moment, you know, someone should get thumped on the head. They're not designed <laughs> to be thrown into that kind of situation. Right. Um, if they're snapping belts, it's time to try something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what a snowmobile is designed for. And, I mean, it's there's so many trails. I, I, I know there's some great uh, trails up in Minnesota, just as as much as there are here in Wisconsin, and it's uh, yeah, like you said, get get the kids involved, get anybody involved, take them off for a ride on a snowmobile. Um, it just uh, it can make the winter go by a lot faster. That's for sure. Absolutely, and and uh, you know, get out and it, it's not about just uh, targeting a specific species. Get get the kids bit. Yep. Go to a spot where they're going to get bit. 
And I fished Winnebago. I love Winnebago. It's one of those places, even before I ever even fished there, I uh, when I was doing seminars, and when I was uh, near you that last time, I caught bluegills, perch, crappies, white bass, and even walleyes out of the same hole. I was very impressed with the fishery, and it fits my type of fishing. I like finesse fishing. I use bloodworm skeleton minnows, uh, you know, on uh, little gill getters, and I could fish there with plastics and never use live bait. It was just a, it was a fun time. Absolutely, and you know, it's uh, everybody can participate. You know, even if you have the the spouse or the friends or whatever, gather up all the neighborhood kids. You know, uh, today was a perfect day. I mean, we were selling bait like crazy and. Uh, everybody was uh, it was a great day to get out, you know, and and participate in the sport. And you know, it's uh, there's so many opportunities, especially here uh, on Winnebago. You got Winnebago, the Bay of Green Bay. Uh, you've got the you know the river systems and so on. The fishing in this area is phenomenal. And uh, you know when you get you know when you get days like today, get get everybody out. But on those cold days, you know there's there's a, a big market out there, and there's an opportunity. Um, with shelters and if I could get your feedback on that you know are you a are you would you prefer to fish in the in the open air or do you like a shack does it make a difference Brian on how the fish react as opposed to you know just fishing out like I I grew up fishing sitting on a five gallon bucket with jig poles I love fishing outside I'm an outside kind of person but if it's crowded out there or if there's people around I like to fish inside because hook sets and fish flopping draw a crowd in i love being in the crowd i like talking to everybody but if i'm guiding i don't really want a crowd <laughs> but <laughs> understood you know, i understand if, if if we're hammering a bunch of big fish i understand you know you see someone get fish you want to go over there but you know that's why we tuck inside a house for stealth and not only that if, if it's really cold out and your line's sticking every time you're trying to put it down the hole or sticking to the side or i use uh, straight line reels 80% of the time, a lot of times I'm just pulling the line out instead of just free spooling because you can't quite see what's going on. And so uh, inside the house is nice for a controlled environment. So your line is straight going up and down, and uh, there's no surprises. When you're outside in the wind and cold, um, things don't always, you know, just the light line, the finesse, uh, the movement of the rod, uh, uptick bites, just light finessey things. Or it's time to go inside the house, but I do love that open air. I, I I think about it all summer long, how awesome it is to have this cool, clean air, and uh, mm-hmm. to be out in a frozen expanse. It's just it's an amazing thing, and it's it's our niche in Wisconsin and Minnesota to have such a cool thing. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, people say that to me all the time. It's like, Mark, you know, how can you sit in the duck boat and in the wind and the cold, driving rain and snow and and, and my response is just as simple. It makes you realize that you're alive. When the wind's blowing in your face and the wind, you know, the rain's hitting you in the face and you're out enjoying the outdoors, man, you're still above ground taking nourishment, so it's all good. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's getting cold, going out there and catching fish, having a, a good time with your buddies, and then coming in and warming up to some hot chocolate with maybe with a little something in it. It's just a blast, and it's camaraderie. In yeah. open water, we have the camaraderie, yeah. but... In little vehicles, boats at a time, um, unless they're parked on a beach or something. But in the wintertime, it's it's just awesome. It's, there's nothing like it. Everywhere you go, you can go up to strangers most of the time, and you can chit-chat and talk about anything. And it's just a, a good time. Even people you don't know, uh, whether you're in Wisconsin, Minnesota, wherever you're at, Michigan, 
you can usually pull over on, on the ice and visit with people unless they're a little nervous about uh, their spot. But most of the time, you can actually say, I'm just coming over to visit, you know, or whatever, so they don't have to hide all their big fish. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But uh, it's it's fun, and that, that's why we ice fish. And you have all this all this water is all all yours, and you, you eliminate 80% of the traffic. Mm-hmm. You don't have all the excess boat traffic and all that stuff, but and ice fishing is growing. It's a $2 billion a year sport in the Midwest, so it's really... They're taking notice at the registers, and uh, definitely get out and support your bait shops. Even if I use plastics, I never drive by a bait shop. I buy waxworms. I buy maggots. I buy uh, crappie minnows and fatheads. And you'll never know what you're going to need. And bait is the cheapest part of your trip. (laughs) Make sure do not skimp on bait and use as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Brian Bro Brosdahl joining me here on Living the Outdoors. If you got a question or comment, Give us a call at 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. We'd love to hear from you. You know, and you take a look. <clears throat> we're talking about shacks and stuff like that. I mean, there's they make one man. They make two men. They make these pop-up tents that you can secure to the ice. It's, uh, you know, to get a group of people out there, if you're one of those guys that likes to fish alone, there's something there for you. If you like to take a buddy or your girlfriend or your wife. But if you like to take the family, I mean, there's, a, there's accommodations for everybody uh, to get out there um, and enjoy the sport. And I think... It has progressed so dramatically, you know, moving on to the next one, the next topic, augers. You know, obviously you have to have one of them, and there's, the technology has changed so dramatically, uh, Brian, over the last couple of years. Why don't you share some of your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, as far as augers go, I remember using gas augers since I could remember the old club handle yeah. uh, for, for drilling out corners and, and uh, you know, Jiffy, uh Strike Master, I've tried everything out there. Eskimo, I've had every auger in all the mankind and, and drilled holes. It is very, very hard to pick up an auger that is run by gas anymore mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I, have a, I have a Milwaukee drill and I have a Nils Master uh, bit on it. And you could you could cut off a Strike Master and, and weld a, an attachment. You could put any bit on this thing. You could put a Jiffy bit on there, but you could, you could take these half-inch hammer drills, and you could drill a lot of holes. And even in this real heavy ice up here, drill a lot of holes. And uh, and people say, what are you going to do if if your battery uh, runs out of juice? Well, I'll grab my other battery. What about (laughs) then? Well, I have six regular batteries and one 9-amp battery, so I I could drill for days. And and then I bring the charger with me and then a a little uh, inverter so I could plug it in. It's infinity. And if, if I don't have my truck with, if I'm on a sled or whatever, um, you throw a little hand warmer in with your batteries, you'll never have a problem. And the only time I ever see anybody running into issues, if they just leave out where it's cold, yeah. you don't have to do that. Just get a little bag uh, like you get at uh, any store, like the cloth bag, and, I, and then I'll throw a little hand warmer in with them, and it keeps them all day. And uh, it, it's an amazing thing. But I've used... I got the Nils Master, and I've got the K drill. I've got I've got all the different sizes, and I when I compare the two, I would describe it as this: nothing is faster than a six-inch Nils bar nut. There's nothing faster, but the K drill, when you drill a hole, your hole's clean as a whistle. You don't even need a scoop. So it's 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 hand in hand. You know, it's one of those deals. And then um, 
if you're going to use a bigger drill, the the, uh, the nils is a little bit heavier. If you're going to put an eight inch bit on a on a Milwaukee drill, it's yeah. still heavier. Drill's pretty good, but that's where the K drill is light because it's plastic and aluminum. Sure. And so it, it's it's a horse apiece. But if if I'm drilling a zillion holes, I want that uh, six inch nils and. And I know a guy got a ten and a half pound wallet through a six inch hole, huh. and uh, I, I, I'm the only one that ever shows up to Sturgeon Bay with a with a six inch bet, and uh, the guys are laughing, but never had a fish stuck in it. No kidding, and everybody's like, "Oh, you got to have an eight or even a you know a ten if you're going to pull a big fish out of there." But I oh mean, no, just drill a peanut. You drill. I mean, if you're getting into thirty inches of ice, then it's a pain. But you drill a hole next to a hole. Like a figure eight, yeah. And then you can fit a lake trout through if you want to. Uh, two holes right next to each other, and it's nice for the depth finder too because you're not tangling on it as much. Sure. But you could you could do a clover leaf three holes together and make a really big hole. So why push the extra ice if you don't have to? The only time you use an eight inch uh, hole is when there's big pike. If there's any big pike around, you need a minimum of an eight inch hole because their nose goes way far past the corner of their mouth. Sure. Uh, pike or sturgeon. Uh, or lake trout, uh, then you want to definitely uh, go eight inches or up. You know, it's it's great you brought that up, Brian, because I've seen some guys doing that uh, uh, on the uh, F the sports Fox Sports Network um, fishing for sturgeon, and they did oh, yeah. exactly what you were talking about. They kind of drilled, you know, a side by side hole in the clover leaf, so they were able to get those those bigger fish through, and it makes perfect sense. You know, and you're not making a big yeah. mess either. Yeah, and because their mouth is so far back below their nose, and and it's just a matter of turning them unless you have a little gap, and it ain't going to hurt the fish that much to, to just go poke them in the nose and pull them up the hole because it, it takes more out of the fish to sit and fight it nonstop than it would just to hurry up and get it up on the ice. And if it's super cold out, land the fish inside a house. If it's a fish you're not going to keep, yeah. if you're going to throw back, I always tell people, you know, with the frables, you pull the window down because it's, hook and loop, in other words, Velcro, sure. you pull the window down and you shoot the picture inside. Because if you if you look at some of the photos, people are holding up a wallet that they threw back because it was a giant, but its eyes are frozen. Well, that probably didn't bode well for the fish. Sure. What a what a great tip. I mean, that's kind of, uh, if you're intended on throwing them back, you treat them with, treat them with care, just like you would if you were catching them in, uh, uh, in open water too, you know, be, uh, oh. be, be considerate of them. Oh yeah. Just imagine if, you're going to be soaking wet, are you going to stand outside or are you going to want to be inside? Um, it doesn't take long if it's below zero. So I always just pull the window down and take a picture of the clients inside their warm house. And if it's a nice day, uh, even if it's like 20, if you just don't go, okay, where's my camera now? And then be feeling around in your pockets. Have your camera ready, frame it in, then pull the fish up in the frame. Yeah. And uh, those bigger, more big fish will live. And uh, we're in a great time. People catch more fish than they ever have before. So with that comes the responsibility of taking care of the resources. And, you know, it, it isn't, the, it isn't the, the, the old days, you know, where we're surviving on them. And maybe some people are subsisting on the fish, mm-hmm. and that's different. But uh, we got to take care of the resources, uh, and that goes for everybody that's out there, not yeah. just somebody that's random that you don't know. But uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, the technology like cameras – I could watch the fish bite today. I could pull it away from the little perch with the aqua view and drop it down to the bigger perch. And those big perch come in there all 
hostile and mean. They'll come up and they'll bump the camera. They're not afraid of. They want to eat it if they can. <laughs> you know, that's a uh, that that's a whole other thing. The 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 advancement uh, of electronics and how that has really um, helped people. You know, uh, find the fish because remember the old days, you're like just drilling holes with a hand auger and you know hoping the fish yeah. were there. Or if they you marked a crib or you knew where a crib was or where the weed line was or whatever. Now. I mean, you can drill a hole, drop a camera down there, and figure out what the heck's going on. Oh, it's it's amazing. The kids love it. They love using a camera. Hey, I might be a kid because I like using it. It's it's a way to selectively pick the fish you want and to find a school of fish. And a lot of times we're not stopping until we see them on the Aquaview. Um, you know, there's GPS now. There's MapChip. There's unbelievable cartography. There's a chirp technology now existing in our winter units. Uh, the the uh, digital age has now passed the motorized age, and it's amazing. Uh, if this is what it is now, what's it going to be in 10 years? Because now you know your, your best odds are in your favor with two sets of electronics, uh, a, a Chirp technology hummingbird with a GPS map chip and the maps of the lake, and then an Aquaview. There's no question. Just don't guess if the fish are there. You know they're there because you see the line on the screen mm-hmm. and you see the fish smiling back at you. You know, it's uh <laughs> and then watching the cadence of your jigging motion on the camera, very important. Yeah. Certain jigging motions get huge reactions on a fish. Last night would not have caught bluegills if I wasn't up up sweeping really fast in a in small motions like real real fast up and then a slow down would get the bluegills to bite. If you jigged it nonstop in place, they'd swim away. Mm-hmm. If you let it sit still, they'd swim away. So very important to watch your jigging cadences. Every lake's different. Every lake's got a different personality. And then remember, if you've got dark stained water, don't think cameras are out of the question. I just brought an Aquaview HD up to Lake of the Woods, which is really dark stained water. Sure. And I could still see my baits, my minnows, and watch the walleyes come in. I was, I was impressed, and that's because it's, if you get high definition, it's sure. just going to be that much better. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, awesome. Well, listen, Brian, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. And uh, when we come back, we'll have more with Brian Bro Brosdahl here on Living the Outdoors on the Score. Welcome back to Living the Outdoors here on the Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for taking the time to join us tonight. We sure do appreciate it. If you want to give us a call, 281-1570 or 866-653-1570 if you got any questions for Brian or myself. And uh, please keep the, the emails coming to livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. Um, I really do appreciate all the kind words, and uh, uh, it's great to, to, to have uh, as many people out there listening and giving us some feedback. And, again, you know, you, you, you asked me to try and get Brian on, and I was able to get him on tonight. And, you know, Brian, it's uh, when we're talking about wintertime and, and we're talking about ice fishing. Of course, there's tons of other things, but you know, you said the ice fishing world uh, industry is becoming huge. You know, and and there's electronics and all these other things, but it all boils down to a lot of basics. You still have to have uh, uh, the the equipment to catch them. And and I know there's a lot of stuff out there, but you know, it's it's a rod, it's a reel, and it's line. But let's talk a little bit about how you want to get outfitted uh, to get out there and enjoy ice fishing. Well, absolutely. Yeah, when we are making the Bro Series lineup of uh, rods and reels for Frable, uh, when we were looking at different uh, things that we could add to it, my goal was to keep 
keep them under a hundred dollars. I mean, it, it's so easy to go over that when you're talking about titanium and and uh, uh, you know carbon graphite and and the right kind of real seat. And I said I'd rather have you know there's some nice artisan rods you could buy some handmade ones that are a hundred to hundred fifty bucks. But I would rather have you have two rotted real combos for the price of that one sure. that are just as good and. So that was my goal, and and it worked out really well. And every year they're sold out. But uh, uh, the whole idea is, you it doesn't matter what kind of rod you have, if you have the wrong size line on that rod. If you've got a light light rod and heavy line, you've just defeated the purpose because a light line it adds finesse. It, it, your lure hangs straight, your line hangs straight. And in the winter time, I use fluorocarbon. Okay. Because it has the best hang rate. It has a sink rate that's better, so it hangs straight up and down. Now, you can use monofilament, but it floats a little bit. Monofilament's good for for uh, leader material or something, but mono's good for summertime, for snap jigging over a weed bed or, you know, or using harnesses or something like that. But in wintertime, it is fluorocarbon, fluorocarbon. If you want to use braid inside a house, that's fine, but you're still going to need fluorocarbon tip on it and i love one pound test again i used to hate that stuff <laughs> uh you handle fish if you if you decide oh it's just lazy for a second you flip it up into place the fish will snap off especially if they if the crappie or bluegill starts getting to be a little bit bigger or the perch uh but now the one pound test and two pound test is just amazing uh i i get to do trade shows so i go and i get to check out everything and i found when i was in michigan about Three years ago, I found Sunline, and now you can see them. They're, you know, they're under different names. Like uh, they're under Frost Line also. Okay. But that that made me start using one pound test again, one and two pound test. And there's a lot of line out there. I mean, don't let line defeat you. Just grab any line is good just to get going. But uh, I like clear, clear line. And if you have trouble seeing the line. You can get like an amber colored line or or you know bright mm-hmm. fluorescent line and just add a clear tip at the, at the at the very bottom of it, but but make sure and then uh, you know light line just fishes better and, and panfish especially bluegills have binocular vision so they can see micro particles in the water column. What we see as just water. We don't see all the things in there. Right. And zooplankton, they see individual zooplankton animals. And so you're dealing with something that you better have as light line as possible. And just reach down and grab the fish when you're using one pound test. A one to two pound test makes a big difference. Use two pound test if you're you got little hammer handle northerns hanging around or small bass, something that's a little bit bigger that's not a panfish. Mm-hmm. That way you don't lose your lure. And uh, But you're going to have better fishing if you're fishing in heavy vegetation you can get away with heavier line but out in the open in the winter when everything lays down go light my friends you'll catch more fish and then the tungsten and i mean tungsten's an awesome metal and it's it's heavier but remember everybody it's only 30 percent heavier it's not twice as heavy okay so there's definitely a tungsten bus rolling down the road and everybody jumped on it but I'm a little reluctant to jump on trims like that because if you're in 20 feet of water or less, drop that tungsten bait down in a heavy lead bait side by side. It ain't that much of a difference. And remember, in some bites, 
especially big jumbo perch, if it falls down fast at them, sometimes they evacuate, just like if something's falling in it quick, like a meteorite. Uh, I like lead because you can get different shapes. There's only so many tungsten shapes available to all the manufacturers. Okay. The nice thing with lead, it can be molded to any shape. So lead is still good. It's still legal to use. It hasn't, you know, in some states it's illegal. You know, a bird or something ate it or whatever. But around here, where, where we think with, with reality, uh, lead is still good. And uh, you can have different hooks. With tungsten, you have to solder the hook to the bait so your hook could break a lot. Uh, that's another thing that we've, uh, through Northland, they don't solder their hooks on their tungsten baits so that you're not going to get the breakage. But okay. telling everybody, have some tungsten and have some lead. Don't just jump on one way because every way has its its thing. And I like to use even no lead or tungsten. Just a hook on a piece of plastic uh, works really well. And this is the year of the dead stick. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it's it's really in right now. A lot of dead sticks, tip-ups. Uh, dead stick is just a, a rod that's sitting with a live bait, just waiting Okay. the uh the good old-fashioned way. You know, <laughs> yeah, just wait for old the school. <laughs> <laughs> Very much old school. So, you know, if, if you're going to be fishing in this area, I know for one thing, bring your tip-ups. You're going to get more bites in. If you're in water that's loaded with perch, lots of little ones, get some big minnows. Okay. Every time that goes off, it's either going to be a big perch or it's going to be a walleye or a pike. It's, so definitely load up the sucker minnows. If there's shiner, bigger shiners, get those. But uh, put some big minnows down and have some extra lines out, especially since you're allowed to. Sure. Are you a, are you a float fishing kind of guy? I know a lot of guys have the, uh, um, you know, the real light fill floats and stuff like that. Is that something that's in your in your arsenal? I don't possess a bobber except to put on a tip up as a marker in the wintertime. But okay, in the summertime, I bring 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 floats to a whole new level. I use them in tournaments. I use them. Uh, in every walk, even in my bass tournaments, to suspend um, marabou jigs above the bass okay. you know, over deep water. Uh, but in the wintertime, no floats. Uh, it's keep that bait moving. It's about the lifting up and falling. I know it's easy to see, but you can always add a titanium spring bobber on there with a nice bead. You'll notice uh, beads at the tip of a rod. I started that trend years ago. Yep. with an orange bead on my rods because I, I need glasses. I can't see perfect, and, and it really highlights it. But take some paint. Take some paint and uh, some real bright paint, some bosite stuff or or just some bright orange and paint the tip of your rod orange, maybe a little bit of sh- uh, bright chartreuse in there. You'd be surprised. It's a great sight indicator, and no bobbers needed. And if you do use a bobber, Come fish with me. I'll show you how not to use a bobber, <laughs> and uh, you're going to catch fish. If it's time, if there's time to let the bobber float, it's time to move holes. <laughs> <laughs> what a great philosophy! And that's you know, I mean, that kind of the way it was in the in the old days. But you know, I say exactly what you're saying is keep the keep the bait moving. And I think now, like you alluded to earlier, that with the uh, the inception of cameras and being able to use that, you can see how those fish are reacting to how you're presenting that bait to them, which I think is pretty critical. Um, you know, going back to say, hey, you know what, they might they might want it fast, they might want it slow, they're feeding up, they're doing all these different things. I think, um, you know, with that going for you, uh, I, I think there's, um, you know, like you said, keep keep things moving and, and uh, 
um, you know, get the get the fish to bite a little bit more aggressively. Well, and we used bobbers, fixed bobbers in place or slip bobbers in the past when we did not have electronics. It was a way of keeping your bait at a specific depth. And if you don't have electronics, it is the way to go. But even uh, before electronics, I was still touching the bottom and lifting the rod tip so I knew where I was at. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I could understand light fill, fill bobbers or uh, any kind of float, uh, real light finesse float is nice. But if you've got a camera, you've got electronics, see we're staring into the electronics, you can see your lure, the representation of your lure on the electronics. You don't need that bobber now because you're staring at the electronics. You're not looking at your rod tip until yeah. you see the t- two lines touch. Yep. Then your eyes go over to the rod tip and you see it jerking. And uh, so the bobber is the electronics now. And, uh, you know, it's it's we've, we've advanced on, on, in that realm of it. Even uh, scooping holes, I noticed uh, in the last couple of trips, I'll, I'll pop a whole bunch of holes, and the, some, somebody will go around and scoop the holes. And, uh, they'll scoop my hole, and I'll kick the snow back in it because I like covering my hole. Even though it's hard to put your lure through, that little bit of cover, even in deep water, will create more fish. If you're inside a fish house, then you can clean it out. But okay. uh, if you're not doing a photo shoot, Keep the hole messy. <laughs> Another great tip, my friend. Um, let's talk a little bit, you know, obviously, um, you know, you're a big pan fishing guy. What are, you know, some of the baits that, that are seem to be, you know, a little bit more popular nowadays, just to kind of give the listeners an idea if they want to get out there and try something. What are some of those baits that are kind of working this year? This year, it's a skeleton minnow. It's an impulse plastic. Well, the skeleton minnow is really fragile. Looks like a bloodworm. Okay. Bloodworms are very important to the ecosystem and fish. All of our fish. And Winnebago is a huge bloodworm factory, and that's why the fish grow so well there. But the skeleton minnow is a rendition of the bloodworm with a ringworm head to make it easy to hook on. Okay. But I don't put it on hold. Hold. There's a the ringworm. Head has like six or seven rings. I break it down so there's about three rings on it. So I snip off the head to fit the shorter hooks. And then when you're jigging it, don't jig it like, okay, I'm jigging now. No, it's not It's not about jigging. It's about making that tail move. The first thing you do when you put new plastics on is drop it in your hole, move the tail, and try to recreate what nature does. In nature, things pulse through the water real slowly they're not in a hurry the only time they hurry is if a fish is coming up on them so whether it's freshwater shrimp coronamids which is bloodworm they're just moving real slow and clumsy so watch watch how you move that bait in the hole watch your rod tip as you're moving it then drop it down into place and then watch the rod tip and now you're getting good when you can move that tail without moving the lure yeah, that's interesting with that split tail on those. That's uh, really got to uh, enhance the movement on those. Oh, absolutely. And, and even Winnebago uh, has a lot of mayfly larvae, and so does Green Bay. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more fish in that bay than people know because they're down deep and they're rooting up those mayflies. And, uh, you know, you could be on the reefs, you could be on bars or be on uh, big flats. But there's a lot of mayflies down the middle of the bay because when they come out, it gets slick around those shoreline areas. So just remember, that's where I would get 
the water flea. And these are just catchy names. Like when I say skeleton minnow, it's not a minnow. It's actually a bloodworm. And then the water flea is just, it looks just like a mayfly. It's amazing. And anytime I have a, a mayfly bite going on, the, the water flea, which is impulse plastic, is is the softest, uh, neatest little bait you'll ever have. And these are baits that I designed for Northland Fishing Tackle. Uh, check them out. I mean, I'm, I'm, this is 70% of what I use in the winter is, is exactly what I'm telling you, the skeleton minnow and the water flea. If you have those two baits, I'll put them on a gill getter. I'll put them on a mud bug if I'm fishing deep. But if I want tungsten, a little little tungsten ball, I'll use a mini fireball. That little tiny tungsten ball, and I'll hang a, a skeleton mint on it. That's peanut butter and jelly for a, <laughs> for a fish down there. Those <laughs> big bluegills just love it. And even in darker conditions, cloudy days, or when it's just getting a little bit too dark to see anymore, you put a contrasting color on, purple or, or black in the evening, and just move it just a little bit. They can see that silhouette and the bigger fish will absolutely inhale it. And, you know, what about, like, um, you know, outside plastics have kind of overtaken the, the ice fishing, you know, world these days. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, now you got these hyperglides, and you've got all this other kind of stuff. Is that still something that people should, you know, have in their in their tackle box and or their tackle bag to be able to get out there and, and uh, you know, catch some nice walleye? Is that something that's still popular? Well, yeah, those, those are going to work they, they, they're, they're kind of neat. It reminds me of that old Ronnie bird with the flappy wings. Mm-hmm. Any Stuff like that has a time and a place. Uh, not every bite, but there's going to be a time and a place for it. Um, I think that's that's good stuff. The glow shot spoon, which is a light stick. You break a light stick and you stick in the spoon and put it down. Yeah. I, I was thinking this is just going to be insane for walleyes. Well, I'm finding it's even more insane for perch. The perch are drawn to it because it's light. And, and they come straight in at it. And they eat it. Even spoons that are too big for them, they'll just inhale because uh, they need light to see. They need right. as, as much light as possible. That's why in bright days, you get the right pressure, you could just clean the lake out of perch. They just bite like crazy. Wow. But now you throw that little light stick in, and some bodies of water, they want the brighter ones, and some other bodies, they want red ones. But I've seen that. That's something I've been doing for over 30 years is using little light sticks on uh, next to my hook. By okay. the sinker. Sure. Um, but now I'm seeing it, you know, in lure form, it makes a big difference. And I don't want it to glow too bright. If it's too bright, it, it just doesn't seem like it's happening for me. Okay. Except for on Lake of the Woods. Those fish are, the walleyes race in and eat it at Lake of the Woods. But for perch um, or walleyes, uh, if, if it gets real bright, you just lay it on the ice, it'll dim it because temperature controls the heat of the burn in the light stick of that glow shot spoon. Got it. So you can lay it on the ice. And uh, probably one of the most amazing things I've seen for perch this year, they just, they just are drawn to it. So you could actually put it down there with a minnow to bring fish in and then drop a skeleton minnow down right next to it. But uh, something to really look at and not a gimmick, a real deal. And all the different tackle out there has its times. So there's a time for a forward-moving bait, like a hyperglide, like a puppet minnow yep. uh, or a jig and wrap. And you just can't have enough colors in ice fishing. Yeah. And, but what I see in plastics, there's plastics that someone puts their heart and soul in 
wants a soft pour, wants it to be real light. And then there's plastic designed just to fill a category and make money. Well, you could tell which ones work and look at them in the store. If it looks like a nail you could pound in a wall, probably not going to work. Soft, moving plastic that actually represents something. You know, matching the hatch is a saying I came up with a long time ago. you got to match the hatch. If you're going to put down something that looks like it's from a board game, (laughs) you know, (laughs) <laughs> you know that's that's not going to work. You know, right. but uh, I look at all plastics, no matter who makes them, and if I like it, I'm buying it. And even though I have my factors, I still try stuff just to see. And uh, good representation is everything. And uh, keep an eye on that stuff when you go fishing. If your lake has bloodworms, buy bloodworms. You know, it's exactly, Brian. I think you hit it right on the on the head. And uh, um, you know, I think color has a. Uh, has a lot to do with it, and I think it's uh, the water clarity has to impact that as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that's why you get several different colors. Don't just go out there with one color thinking this is going to be, well, uh, I'm going to go hammer them now. Because I, I went to Winnebago, and I don't, I really don't use purple that much mm-hmm. on, on uh, Winnebagosh, but when I'm on Winnebago, I hammer them, I crush them on purple. And, uh, and pink and these colors that I don't normally use. And I just was wondering, what's it all about? So I'm, I'm, I'm putting together purple on bright bright pink head or orange head with a purple tail. And sure. smoking. I mean, one of the best things I ever used on Winnebago was a gold mini musca with the micro tinsel with glow eyes. And then that purple bloodworm tail. I just hammered them on that thing. Everything that swam in that lake. And, uh... I don't know if it's uh, uh, what it is, but they absolutely like those colors. And and then back at home, I'm starting to catch them on purple again. These are lakes that are getting really cleared up from the zebra mussels. I don't sure. know if there's a correlation, but uh, purple is becoming a hot color, and I'm, I'm putting it on uh, in the Winnebagoshish area because some of our lakes are really getting clear. Even though there's a bog stain, uh, you got to take into account. So pick up orange, pick up pink. Uh, green on one of my perch lakes where I catch big jumbo perch. This one lake I have, yeah, I almost said it. I don't want to say it. <laughs> the, the green skeleton minnow, I, I think I have one left. I mean, they just it devour those things. And uh, and that's another thing I do as a guide. I try to rotate through lakes. I don't just hammer one till it's, de- till it's dead. Right. Uh, so many times that stuff happens, but as a guide, I'm taking the responsibility of rotating. Uh, I only take so many fish or, or stuff out of spots because I want a spot to stay intact and remain. So I'll go there and hit it a few times and go hit something else. Excellent. Excellent. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Living Outdoors. It's been an uh, absolute pleasure to have you on the show again. And uh, hopefully uh, you can uh, we can hook up sometime when you get down here in, uh, in the uh, Appleton area and uh, share a few stories. Absolutely. It was Great spending time with you. We got to do that. And thank, thank you, all you listeners. Don't forget to have your ice picks and stay safe and take a kid fishing. Awesome. Thanks, Brian, my friend. Take care and uh, best of luck through the rest of the winter. You too. Thank right. you very much. You're Bye welcome. Bye bye. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have more of Living the Outdoors here on the score. Welcome back 
to live in the outdoors here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for joining us tonight. Again, thanks to Brian Bro Brosdahl for sharing his passion for living the outdoors. He is one heck of a fisherman and just absolutely loves the sport of ice fishing. And uh, um, you can certainly tell in, uh, in his voice and how excited he gets as, uh, as he shares his passion with us. And hopefully he got some great tips out of that interview as well. There's all kinds of um, uh, great things in there. You can always go back and, and listen to the broadcast again on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock. If you did miss something, or you can go on to uh, iTunes and download it there as well, or you can go to thescorewi.com and you can uh, listen to it there as well. Um, right, Leading right into, um, I have got uh, my next guest is Al Schaefer, and he is with the Kimberly Rec- uh, Recreation Association, and they've got a big event going on this weekend. Al, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you on again. It seems like we uh, we get to chat with one another and get to see one another and shake hands about this same time every year. Correct. This is the 8th Annual Ice Fishing Jamboree that the Kimberly Recreation Association is sponsoring. Uh, it's held out at Shauna Lake each year, and we have it out there because of the um, it's, a, it's a nice big body of water, but also because of the variety of species of fish that people can catch. Sure. And... Um, it's, it's just an open event that we, we host and do to encourage people to come out and fish and, and also a, a way to encourage people to take kids out fishing. Yeah, it's and, kind of uh, evolves around the kids, doesn't it, Al? Yes, it does. One of the things we do is the first 25 kids, age 12 and under, receive a, a gift each year. This year it's a jig stick, uh, a very nice one that we're able to help us put together. And it's, it's an awesome thing to, to be able to encourage people to bring kids out and, and have some fun for the day and enjoy the sport of ice ice fishing, which ties into what Brian just all talked about, yeah. and all the great things involved with it. And that's something that when the carry started this, that's what we look to do and just encourage people to come out and enjoy the day. And we've been the last few years averaging right around 200 people participating. And so, and so it's been a great turnout. It's a great event. It's, it's um we only charge $2 a person or $5 a family, and basically you come in with a family or crew of people. They just, you know, it's not about making money. It's about getting people involved, and then they're eligible for door prizes, and then we have fish prizes that we do for different categories um, for the major fish species, walleye, northern bass, crappie, perch, bluegill. Um, bring in your fish and get registered. They have to be obviously caught in Shawano Lake that day, but we have $20 for first prize, 15 for second, and $10 for third, so it gets to be a great fun camaraderie competition going on between people trying to win fish for those different categories. You know, Alan, it's a, even if you don't want to fish, still come out. You guys have food and you always have a little fire going on and there's always, everybody's having a good time just kind of, you know, sharing their love for the outdoors. That's exactly it. And that's what this is all about. Is we have a lot of people that come out. Um, it's, you're exactly right. Just come out and spend the day or part of the day, you know, register just to be eligible for some door prizes. Um, if they want to buy some tickets, we do a huge, we have a large raffle, um, which is, you know, reasonably at price. And we have some great prizes for raffles. So people come out just to participate in that and just to enjoy the time outdoors and socialize with everybody involved that's that's running the event. You know, are you going to be uh, out there yourself uh, putting some tip-ups and uh, trying to jig for some fish? Absolutely. I've got a group of three or four of us that go every year that gets to be a little friendly competition among us to try to qualify a fish or to catch something that might get us uh, registered or on the, on the leaderboard. And it's fun to come and see the leaderboard and watch changes as people keep bringing up fish, and especially the kids. You know, they come up, they're all excited, and they bring this fish, and they get their name yeah. on the leaderboard that they have posted there. 
it's just fun and exciting and, and just a rewarding event to be a part of it, to, to be involved with. And, and obviously to, to get out and fish, which is what the whole purpose of it is, to enjoy fishing. Exactly. Now it's on Shawano Lake. And why don't you give uh, give the listeners some details? What time do they need to get there and register? How long does it last? Right. Uh, it runs from 7 a.m. until 2.30 p.m. You can fish during that time frame. The prizes are awarded at 3 p.m. So you can sign up at any time between 7 a.m. and, and 2.30 p.m. And the access to Shawano Lake is from the Bamboo Bar, which is located five miles west of Cecil. So you get to Cecil, take a left on 22, and go to the Bamboo Bar, and you access the ice from there. And then you just go out about a half mile towards the island. You'll see the, the big setup. We have a big American flag posted there, and you'll see all the, the caravan of uh, tents and tables and booths and things set up over there. Um, and it's open to anyone. It's not something that's just for people from Kimberley or the Recreation Association. We right. encourage anyone that's interested that likes to fish and wants to come out and spend part of the day or, or all day out there to come over and register and get to know some people and, and have some fun on the ice. I think, Al, you know, that's one of the key things that you that you just stated is that, you know, if you're looking to get involved in, in the sport of ice fishing, participating in a jamboree like this is like the perfect thing for you to do. You can go out and and, uh, you know, learn about the sport. Everybody that I've been involved with over the years that, that I've been a part of it, um, you know, is more than willing to share their knowledge and their experience. And, and Shawano Lake is a great lake to fish because it's full of fish. And, you know, it's just one of those opportunities that, hey, if you want to learn more, you want to know how to get involved in the, in the sport, you want to learn more about, you know, what kind of equipment and things that you need to use, you couldn't find a better opportunity to get out there and, and get some uh, information and get educated. That's exactly it. There's a lot of people around there that are willing to share and help, and, and and especially with the young kids and things, help them and teach them. And that's where the things Brian talks about, the tips and the little things that this is what's worked for me or here's what's working for me. And most people in an event like this, we're, we're not afraid to, to share and help and suggest and give people you know, encouragement to, to make it a fun experience for them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you fished uh, you fished in this tournament multiple times. Have you been out there this year? Um, I hear that the ice conditions are, are, are phenomenal. Yeah, there's there's 20-plus inches of ice out there right now, and there's just a, there was a thin layer of snow over the top, so it's not glare ice, which is great. And then they picked up a little bit of snow this morning, so the conditions there should be good. They're talking about it being a little cool this weekend and a little bit of snow flurries and things, but you know what? The, the excitement and the enthusiasm will certainly take care of making that all uh, a non-factor, yeah. and, uh, and then just encourage people to, to come out and look to enjoy themselves. The camaraderie will keep you warm. That's exactly it. You'll, <laughs> you'll chuckle a little bit, and you'll have some fun. It is. It's a great group of guys, and, you know, it, it's it's what, you know, the outdoors is about. It's kind of like opening up um, and creating these opportunities for people to um, you know, participate because sometimes people are like, well, you know, I'm not quite sure how to get started. I don't know what I need to do. And, and everybody that's involved from KRA is um, very, very friendly and very open and they, they love doing this. And it's yeah. kind of like everybody looks, looks forward to it, to putting on this event. And like you said, it's your eighth annual, hard to believe it's been that many years already. Right. Well, and we've, we've had some great sponsors, the real shots that are a major sponsor for us for a number of years this year. White tails unlimited has gotten involved to help us out. Um, Dean Krieger Taxidermy out of Cecil does a neat thing. He gives two free fish mounts each year from somebody that got a fish last year will get their mount this year. Yeah, awesome. And, and generally it's kids or something like that, depending upon which fish he, he thinks will be the best. 
and it's so exciting to see them receive their mount that day at their new award ceremony. So it's, it, it's kind of fun that way. So the whole thing is just work and, and everybody enjoying it. And, it. and really, it's not meant to make any money as much as it's just to promote the, the sport of ice fishing and enjoy the camaraderie and, and getting kids out fishing. Excellent. Well, Al, thank you so much for taking the time for sharing your event with us this uh, this weekend, Saturday, starting at 7 o'clock in the morning out on Shawano Lake. And I think you can go right to Bamboo Bar, right, and get get yep. on the lake from there? That's exactly it. Right access off of Bamboo Bar. Yep, the Perfect. landing is good there right now, so access should not be a problem. Excellent. Al, thank you so much, and I wish you all the best. And uh, uh, good luck if I come out there. I might be following you around and see what uh, kind of fish you're catching. Sounds good, Mark. Thanks <laughs> so much for all your help and support. We appreciate it. Glad Let's to be a part of it. Out there. All right, all man. Later. Sounds good. Thanks. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. Well, listen, we're going to go and take our last break. We'll come back. We're going to wrap it up here on Living the Outdoors on The Score. All right. Welcome back to the last few seconds of Living the Outdoors here on The Score. Uh, Thanks again to Brian Brosdahl for taking the time to join us here and share his passion for Living the Outdoors. The guy is one heck of a fisherman, and he definitely has a passion for ice fishing as well and hey you know if you got don't have anything going on this weekend take advantage of the uh, ice fishing jamboree going on on shawano lake sponsored by the kimberly recreation association they put on a great uh, great event out there plenty of food a lot of camaraderie and if you want to get involved in the sport of ice fishing this is like the perfect place to go so again thanks for tuning in tonight it's always a pleasure for me to sit in this chair and share my passion for the outdoors always remember there is no 100 safe ice and if you have the opportunity to impact somebody's life through the outdoors. Take advantage of it. It will make you a better person. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great evening. Live life in the outdoors. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.